Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plashcare.com slash weight loss. New drunk history Solve season is about to drop. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. New drunk history on Comedy Central. All right, somebody... Uh Hello. 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 <laughs> I can hear them better than I can hear me. Can you hear yourself, Linda? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so get up a little bit closer. You're going to need to be closer. So you're going to need to hear yourself. And Maria, you still can't hear yourself. I can hear everybody else. No, I, maybe I can hear me. It just doesn't come in. Everybody else comes in sharper. There we go. I feel, yeah. Okay. I'm apparently going deaf. Welcome to Right Lane a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Joining us today on the podcast is Leonora Lapeter Anton, another member of our Enterprise team. Like Lane and like Lisa Gartner, who joined us on an earlier podcast, Leonora is a Pulitzer Prize winner. She won the investigative prize in 2016 for a series about violence and neglect in Florida mental hospitals. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's called Insane, Invisible, In Danger. Leonora and Lane both started working at the Times in 2000. They're close in age, raised their kids here in St. Petersburg, became close friends, and ultimately ended up on the same team. So we wanted to talk about how they got to where they are. Today's topic, different paths. So, Leonora, I want to take you back. You grew up in Connecticut and Greece, which is cool. What drew you to journalism originally? Um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, you know, when I was in um, college, I had to, like, choose a major, you know, that kind of thing. I, had to, I was forced to choose a major, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had these languages because I'd lived in Greece, and I had studied German, French, Latin, and was fluent in Greek. Wow. And I thought that maybe I could use it in interpreting or journalism. And so I became pre-journalism. But I was kind of a, a real late bloomer. I didn't have any internships or any of that kind of stuff. I just sort of decided to um, pursue it really late. So what, and no family background in journalism, just sort of like, you were you a good writer? Did you know growing up you were a good writer? Um, my mom says I wrote stories about things, you know, like our, jour- our, our adventures, because, you know, I lived overseas as a child. Yeah. So I lived in Greece, and I went on, like, archaeological expeditions in Egypt, and I went all over the place. So I used to, she actually made me write stories, but I used to kind of enjoy it, um, and I draw art along with it. And so that's about it. Um, Other than that, no journalism. I mean, I liked writing. I loved reading. Um, You know, I wanted, uh, I think the biggest thing, they made you do this thing called, what's your parachute or what color is your parachute or whatever. And, you know, yeah, there's there's some some book and they made me do tests and whatnot. And, you know, um, 
I think that I, I knew very early on that I needed something that was novel, something that was different, something that would bring different challenges every day and wouldn't be like the same old, same old, like, you know, sitting in counting dollars at a bank or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, um, I just needed like something novel and, you know, I wanted it to be something that wasn't going to keep me to a desk because I, I had this kind of, you know, want, desire to sort of experience adventures and, you know living in an interesting life. <laughs> so then, so did you go all the way through college and no internships? You just, then you got out of college with a journalism degree? With a journalism degree and four okay. clips. Okay, four, mm-hmm. all that many. And yes. then, and then how, okay, parlayed that into this career. So where'd you go after college? Um, let's see, I went to Chicago for six months. Then I went to Seattle, Washington with a boyfriend. And I got a job in the classified department of the Seattle Daily Journal of Commerce, and I collected bankruptcy information. And then I wrote these four clips for this little tiny community newspaper called the Queen Anne News. And I looked an editor and publisher and found jobs in Florida because I wanted to go someplace warm. And the Okeechobee News hired me, and that was my first job. And from Okeechobee, you went to Tallahassee, you went to Savannah. Before you ended up here, right? Okeechobee to Hilton Head Island, South oh, Carolina, okay. the Island Packet, then to um, Tallahassee Democrat, higher education reporter, then to um, Savannah Morning News court reporter, and then to here as City Hall reporter. So all of those were news beats wherever uh, on that path, right? Yes. Okay. And then, Lane, why don't you remind people your path, your entry into journalism? Oh, I was kind of almost the opposite. We laugh about this because I knew I wanted to be a reporter since I was six years old. That was the only job I ever desired to do. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. during Watergate and had my parents reading the Washington Post to me. Um, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring down the president of the United States. <laughs> I was very eager to be part of the news world when Which I was a little kid. Which one were you going to be, Woodward or Bernstein? Oh, I think I was going to be Woodward. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that was my path forever. Other than babysitting, I've never had any jobs that weren't journalism. But I kind of worked my way up through high school in terms of um, I was the editor of the high school paper, but I also worked at a little local paper, and I typeset car ads, and I wrote obituaries, and I pasted up pages, and I was kind of in you know, the bowel production part of the newspaper as well through high school and went to college, but uh, the University of Virginia didn't have a journalism major, so I majored in English, but then I ended up being the editor of the Daily Paper there by my senior year. So you guys, what was the, was there a dream? Was there an end game? Like, as reporters, you just, you wanted to do Watergate. You wanted to find a cool job that would you would be doing different things, but were you guys thinking years down the road? Did you ever sort of say to yourself, oh yes, I want to be the one on an enterprise team, like doing big projects and big takeouts? Um, For me, I was just kind of like not really sure if I was in the right profession. So it was more of a, am I doing the right thing? Am I meant for this? Am I aggressive enough? You know, all those types of things. So I was sort of not really thinking about where do I want to be in the future, more trying to find myself in the present. Um, And um, I think uh, that it took a long time for me to realize where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And so I meandered around in regular news, explanatory, environmental, enterprise, you know, investigative. I was all over the map. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was me. How about you, Lee? 
Well, I, I did a bunch of internships in college, so I'd been at different papers. But my first seven years were in a bureau for the Virginian Pilot. So I didn't have a, a beat like Leonora had all these different beats, but I covered everything because there was only two reporters in this bureau. So I was like her. I was writing two or three stories a day sometimes, almost exclusively news. Um, I never thought about being a feature reporter because when I was growing up, features were like the women's page kind of thing, like fashion and, and parties and socialite stuff. So I never thought of myself or, or gravitated toward feature stories until... I started reading some of the narratives that came out, you know, in the, the early 90s. So that left you as a news reporter. Yeah, I, was, I did news for the first uh, 10 years exclusively. So your journeys converge in 2000. If you've, anybody has copies of the best newspaper writing uh, edition from 2000, you'll find Leonora there and you'll find Lane there. Um, they didn't know each other then. Um, but so, Leonora, talk about that story, because that story basically got you here to the Times, right? Uh, yeah, I covered a um, a, f- a five a five day trial in um, Georgia. I was working at the Savannah Morning News at the time, and I I uh, it was about a a man who had um, killed an entire family um, and molested kidnapped two little girls that were part of the family and molested the two little girls. And all of that had happened, I think, on Christmas Day in a town called Christmas, Georgia, on Dancer Lane, and oh, so. Jesus. Um, I just remember um, one of the things, um, you know, with regard to narrative, um, I remember adding narrative in in very small bits and pieces early on, you know, just in like a meeting, like that somebody had a Montblanc pen or, you know, just that signed the contract that I was writing about, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing or whatever. Um, and, you know, as time went on, I was slowly developing narrative skills. And I remember that story being one where, like, the narrative just came to me on a deadline. And it was very, um, you know, it was, it was really interesting to me how, how easy it came to me um, on deadline like that. And it was just because it was unfolding in front of me and it was so sad and emotional. And so I think that that was why um, I was, you know, I, I was impassioned to write um, you know, in a narrative sense, every single story I tried to build as a narrative as best I could anyway. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction to, um, you know, getting noticed, I guess, for things that I did because um, it won the ASNE deadline story, I think. And um, as a result, um, Neil Brown and Tabal Tash asked me to apply for a job. So did all that sort of, so that was your instinct, but it wasn't it wasn't like conscious. You weren't like sitting down and saying, "Okay, now I'm going to add narrative techniques, or I'm going to find scenes and details." Or was that some? Was it? Were you getting some coaching along the way, or was this? I had an editor um, who came more from the investigative side from things, the data side from things at the time. Uh, so I don't think I think like at the time I was sort of like reading South of Heaven by Tom French, and I was reading these stories that were you know, narrative masterpieces. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I'd love to be doing that kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were lots of others. I mean, you know, when you're a court reporter, which is what I was at the time, you know, you're constantly trying to um, find new ways to tell the same uh, similar stories, you know. And so you're constantly trying to build, you know, build your skills to tell that story. And I, I just over time started to incorporate more and more narrative into my stories until, you know, it became to where my sections were beginning, middle, and ends. Mm-hmm. Each section, you know, not that's way later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> way later. So, um, and Lane, you came to it the kind of the same way though with 
through news because you were trying to write more scenes and more do more narrative work within even like your three three times a week stories, right? Well, we had um, a weekend publication. I was working in the Outer Banks in North Carolina, and so it was a very touristy town. And in the summer, they would do a weekly magazine, and they started having me write the cover story for the weekly magazine. And so that was kind of the first chance to like spend a little longer, you know, instead of picking up the phone or going to a meeting, actually going out on a fishing boat with somebody. And so that was when I got to start practicing that, I think. And that for luckily coincided pretty quickly with the posting that you put up to start a narrative team at the pilot. So everything kind of, I think I had four narrative clips or feature clips when I applied for that team too. And so it was a big switch to get to do that full time. And then obviously the story you won for in the book or were recognized for in the book was um, flying with the Coast Guard in the wake of a flood, in the wake of a hurricane, and telling sort of like 12 hours in the middle of all that craziness. And by then, you were in a position where that was that was the job, that was the story, kind of like going after those kind of narrative takeouts. Yeah, that was for Team Deadline. So we, yeah. I, that was also on Deadline, which is kind of cool that both of our stories were Deadline narratives like yeah. that. But it was, I think, I was going to feed quotes for that story to some other story, and I think I came back and we talked about, like, the stuff I had in my notebook could have been its own little narrative, so we, we kind of went for that. But just shout out to Tom French, because he was the first person I read that made me want to do this, too. It was kind of like, oh my God, you can do that in a newspaper, you know? You guys, I'm a little, I'm just a bit older than you guys, but I, I remember Adna Buchanan at the Miami Herald. I don't know if you guys ever read some of her stuff, but I definitely she did a lot of amazing breaking well, crime stuff, which was just Miami, you know, in the eighties and but she brought so much storytelling to this stuff that would many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally was just so bland and kind of dry that... Yeah, Definitely. she was a she was a great read. Um, okay, so you guys get here and talk about your evolution from this point on when you get to the Times. So Leonora's, you come in and you're on a metro desk doing what? I'm a city hall reporter. <clears throat> in the first 18 months I'm here, uh, I'm covering a mayoral election with 10 candidates. So um, so that was riveting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. <laughs> um, and I had a two-year-old, and Lane did too. <laughs> and that's how we met, actually, um, because we both had kids and we had so much in common. Um, and then they created, for the very first time, this Metro GA team on the Tampa Bay Times. It was um, meant to pursue stories that, um, you know, not not long-term projects or anything like that, sort of like uh, brights and, and, and interesting tales. And there were four of us on it. And um, I was on that for about 10 years. And then I applied for the Enterprise team the first time. And Mike Wilson told me I wasn't good enough. And um, so then I, I walked away from that. And then um, I came back again two years later, and then I got the job. Okay. So there. Blaine, <laughs> <laughs> so you arrive. You're on the feature yeah, staff. I came in as a feature writer, so I was actually on, on a different floor, even at that time when Leonora and I first met each other. But um, 
you know, we talked a lot about how our different time constraints of our job because she was doing a lot of deadline stuff, late night meetings with a two year old. And then I was doing these kind of more immersive like narrative where you got to like embed with the family for a weekend. So we, we did a lot of like kid share, you know, like I could pick up her kid because I'm not on deadline during the week, but I got to go for the weekend and go in bed with this family. So she'd take my kids. And so we, we had a lot of mom shares as well as story shares and talking about how we were kind of I think we have similar approaches to storytelling but we had such different jobs you know it was a different process um, back then similar uh, approaches how like what do you what do you guys well, what I was going to say is that I remember um, we would be out and and my job was more like in the week I was working long long hours and I might need to stay till nine or ten o'clock or whatever but on the weekends unless there was something I was allowed to have free have free time Lane not allowed, but <laughs> I had free time. But Lane would like be running to something on the weekend and then she'd have to turn it around all in that weekend. And I didn't understand, you know, she was under a lot of pressure to spend a lot more time on things and take more time with it. And she, I, you know, I just, I was uh, sort of mystified with how much time she was spending doing these stories and how much um, it took for her to get those sto- to do those stories, you know. Um, it took so much more time than what I was doing and she seemed more pu- pulled um, even than me, even though I was doing daily. So it was just kind of a weird um, weird thing to watch, you know, to be doing such different things mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. You guys, when you talk to younger writers, do you talk about like how this journey and how it's okay to not have a straight path like you know take these twists and turns and because I find people coming up now would like you know they want to be you guys right they want to be they want to go to that step without some of the other steps um but I assume that you feel like you've gotten things out of the the different twists and turns the different places you've been and things you've done yeah I don't recommend necessarily being as blinders on as I was about journalism because I think the more you experience about in life the you know the better a journalist you're going to be and when I was in college and we didn't have a journalism major we had people in the paper who were architects and engineers and math majors and you know that enlivened the coverage as well but um I think if I had not been a news reporter for all those years and had not been chasing, you know, three to stories a day, everything from murder trials to fishing tournaments, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to be a feature writer, an enterprise writer like I am if I hadn't paid those dues, you know, if we hadn't covered all those meetings and all those mm-hmm. emergencies and hurricanes and everything else that gets thrown your way, we couldn't have, I, I don't think I could have at least done what I do now. Do you see that? You look back, Leonora, and feel like it all helped you? Yeah, definitely. So I remember... Um, when I was at the Island Packet, I became an editor. And so I'm about eight years into my career at this point. And I had, there was this pipeline from Northwestern of journalism students. And I remember they would come and I'd be like, oh my God, it took me years to get where they are right out of college. Mm -hmm. So they were getting more experience in college and they were advancing quickly, but then they wanted immediately to leap to the forefront um, often. You know, they didn't want to put in the time. They were impatient. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of impatience. And I feel like the fact that I wasn't impatient kind of helped me build my skills, you know. I mean, I was a late bloomer, no doubt, all all along um, from the get-go. And, um, you know, uh, spending all that time in those newspapers, um, you know, producing sometimes three stories a day, as we said, you know, all that all that stuff really helped me build my skills and um, 
you know, it's good. So I feel like I, you know, then you don't feel maybe like you're out of your league when you get to the point where you're doing those stories. You're comfortable with them. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I think a lot of people, young people who go in who think they're really great writers, or even if they are really great writers, it doesn't mean you're a really great reporter. And that's a lot of the paying dues stuff, I feel like, you know, having to learn where to go and who mm-hmm. to ask questions and how to ask the hard questions and what stakeholders to bring into it. If you're the greatest writer in the world, you can't create a great piece if you haven't done the reporting. Can you guys talk about, so uh, today, let's fast forward to right now and to the two of you. You're very, you're different people, you're different personalities, you're different in the stories that you gravitate to, um, which is nice, I think, for the enterprise team because, you you know, you complement each other. But to talk about the kind of stories that, you know, you, you prefer right now that you, that you sort of, that you're drawn to each of you because it's different. I'll go first. <laughs> it's not a trick question. <laughs> well, I, I think both of us are drawn to stories that we can report now. You know, some of our colleagues mm-hmm. like recreating things from the past or mm-hmm. digging up things through documents. And Leonore and I both like immersing immersing ourselves in people's lives and being able to watch I should have said, yeah, unfold. what's similar and what's different? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's similar. Sim- that's true, we, right. We both you guys. like things that are happening now that we can witness and be in people's lives, not just you know, recreate. I think we're both drawn to really strong characters. We, we know when we find a character that we latch onto or somebody we can get to, to open up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think Leonora is a lot better about documents and data than I am. She, she knows how to do that. She takes the time to do it. She doesn't get frustrated with it. I, I need her help with that a lot of times. And, and I'm so happy she sits right next to me. It's my best friend to tap into that because I'm, I'm, that's I'm not me at all. I have to be like, oh, there's data. <laughs> someone someone has to point me towards some numbers, you know. So I appreciate that. I've learned a lot about that from Leonora. Um, I think I really, really like to tap into the emotions of people. And and when I get someone to cry in an interview, that just makes my day because I feel like I've like reached some emotional core. Um, so I, I, I think maybe I hit a little harder trying to pull that stuff out sometimes. Um, I should have, yeah, I should have had you each talk about the other one. That would be easier, <laughs> right? But like, oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She, I mean, she's right. She's, she's, got, she's nailed it. I don't even have to, have to answer the question. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, exactly. Lane's stories have a better emotional core than mine. Mine are more complex. They're, you know, more convoluted um, sometimes. Complicated. I, complicated. She yeah, loves not, complicated stories. I was going to say, you're, you're so not intimidated by complicated. Complicated, which I, I think a lot of people are. I, well, it's not that I, I, I mean, everyone's like, oh, you're drawn to complicated stories. I don't feel like that's, I mean, who <laughs> they wants just to sort be of drawn? happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Exactly. They do just sort of happen. And, and um, you know, sometimes that's reporting it out and then you know all the complications and it makes it more, um, it makes it harder to find that emotional core, um, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. We are we are very different. Um, you know, Lane's better. No. <laughs> no, you guys have different strengths, and you know, some some similarities in, in your strengths, but different strengths. How do you um, how do you help each other? You talked a little bit about it, like so, Leonora, you would go to to help you with sort of digest some of the the more complicated stuff. I don't. I know. I know you like to get Lane to read some of your stuff too, and kind of give you give some feedback. We- are there other ways? You prop each other up? We, I, I feel like we use each other a lot um, throughout the process. You know, you, I don't think I've written a story in the last 10 years that I haven't talked about it with Leonora over a glass of wine before I even pitch it to my editor. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like my first my first 
you know, screen. Can I get through Leonora? Is she interested? Because she'll tell me too. Like, that's a dumb idea. Or we, we've read that before. Or, you know, what are you going to do with that? Or I don't care. Or, but she also gets really excited for me. And so I think she's she's my first touchstone if I have an idea before I'll even bring it to an editor. Um, and then we, and we talk a lot about almost, I don't know, I would say at least a few times a week about our reporting, what we've been doing and, and you know, roadblocks we hit versus gold mines we hit. And what do we do with this? And, and send each other not outlines, but leads a lot. I think we always really read each other's leads, and then usually by the end of the story, we're one of the final readers for each other. Mm-hmm. So it's there's I don't know of other. I mean, if you don't have a best friend who's a really great journalist, go get one because it really helps. <laughs> Put on an ad, you know. Um, so let's end with just a thought. Looking back at your careers, are there were there moment were there particular stories that maybe we've already talked about them, but were there particular stories or particular moments where you felt like your path really got set. Are there some that we haven't talked about? There were moments for, for each of you where really put you in, in the direction to where you are today? I mean, I feel like the first couple I did with you when we started an enterprise team, and it was actually that we were talking about craft. We were talking about character development. It wasn't just like 30 inches by Thursday, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that to me was really seminal. For me, um, <clears throat> I was... Uh, for a long time sitting in in the Metro desk, on the Metro desk doing a lot of dailies and and quick hits. And so I had to find time to do longer pieces on the side kind of at first, always trying to like squeeze in something that was more um, nutritional for my brain anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And and so um, I did that. I I managed, you know, I just kept doing that over and over and over again. And, um, you know, that's how where I sort of like just kept growing and growing and growing. So it was a very slow process. It's like addiction for you. Like you're getting a little bit of a taste for it and then right. growing and growing. Right, yeah. exactly. And I remember this one story that I wrote that I'm really proud of, which was really, um, it was it was a really complicated one. It was this div- that divorce one. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very insecure about it because it went on for like four four years and I did I had four editors and people weren't interested in it, but then they were, but then they weren't. And I just fe- remember feeling very insecure about it and um, so anyways it, it, I, I loved the way it came together from a narrative perspective and so um, um, that's a terrific story it, and that's another one if you guys if you just google uh, Leonora Lapeter Anton and divorce story that's the quickest way to find it really don't go to our website try to find it that way just google um, okay if you have any questions for Lane or Leonora or would like to suggest a podcast topic please email it to writelane at tampabay.com that's w-r-i-t-e-l-a-n-e at tampabay.com and join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode this podcast was produced by Denise Keenan music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory 